Paul, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on board, dude. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's good, man. We were just, just kind of chatting beforehand, and uh, I said it's, it's very interesting. I, I, I always find it very interesting whenever I get an opportunity to speak to someone that, that is very, very similar in terms of age range to myself, because I think it's very easy to just kind of see the di- direct correlation with the timelines and how everything's gone. So I'm really interested because obviously you're very, very young still, you know, especially in, in regards to the game now. We see longer and longer the lifespans of these athletes just increasing increasing you've got guys like mike felix that are up in there now obviously doing incredible things far later onto their life than kind of what we're used to seeing with with kind of <laughs> quite how brutal the sport can be sometimes man so um, i'm very interested to kind of get it into your kind of progression through through the years and kind of where you're going with bits and pieces because it's been fascinating to watch you man uh, obviously, you know, you're, you're not the biggest competitor out there. You're not the tallest competitor. You're not carrying the most weight. And for me, I find that absolutely fascinating, man. As someone that's six for eight and, and basically walking around at 135 kilos naturally, it's like, it's, it blows my brain wide open to watch guys like you just come in and just destroy people that, that you know, have 50%, 25% body weight on top of you. It's absolutely amazing, man. So let's kind of let, let's go back to to kind of the start and, and kind of your introduction into training. I understand you did a bit of weight training when you're kind of like 18, 19. You got into rugby around about the same sort of time. So so how did you find all of that progressing from just getting into the gym to then actually moving into a strongman environment and then a really competitive strongman environment really quite quickly? Yeah, so my introduction to weights, it was I was boxing when I was like 13, 14, and we'd do a really little kind of odd bit of uh, lifting. But I was always into like strength training, you know, doing push-ups, pull-ups, all that kind of stuff. Um, then once I started boxing, I kind of had a, a few months where I didn't really have – I was doing sports, but I didn't really have a sport to focus on. Yeah. Um, and then I, I got a weight set, you know, as you do Argos weights at home. Yes. Uh, and then – Kind of got hooked on that. I, had, I think I had two two dumbbells up to twenty kilos. So you know, the first big goal is like being able to curl them. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah. It's not bench press. It's not pull. It's not anything that's like relative. It's like, can I bicep curl these? Okay, now now I'm strong. <laughs> I remember really really gutted because I I don't know what ratio I'd come up with in my head, but I thought I'd be able to curl these really easy, and I couldn't at all. So I dropped down to like ten kilos, and my ego, you know, fourteen, a big hit, isn't it? Uh, so I kind of worked my way through them, managed to curl the 20s eventually. Um, then from there, got a barbell, got some more weights, got kicked out into the garden. Uh, so I didn't <laughs> as you do. And then when I was 15, I'd been lifting about a year at home. I started going to the gym with a mate of mine from school. Um, and then that's when, it, that's when it really kicked in, because obviously I, I had all the kit then. I had a, a lot of the equipment access to it. I had people there that roughly knew what they were doing um so started training from there and then started really like tracking everything seeing my list progress started writing programs they weren't great but you know just getting my mind around the new uh, yeah. like, new hobby um and i just seemed really really enjoyed like the nerdy progression side of it each week you know do eight reps 10 reps 12 reps etc um training there for about a year and it's progressing really quickly as you do at that age and then i saw a guy Saw a guy wearing an Inza shirt 
and back then it was you know everyone's doing bodybuilding. I saw a guy in a user shop. He must be strong. <laughs> he's deadlifting. I think he's doing two twenty for a few, and I was like, what? Like my mind exploded because in that gym, a, a two hundred deadlift was a rare thing. Um, so I was talking to him. Well, I say talking to him. I was a very, very shy, quite fifteen-year-old lad. I wasn't talking very much. Yeah. He basically said I was really strong for my age, which I, I knew I was strong, but I, I didn't have much, much of an idea of how to quantify it because I knew I was quite strong compared to most of the guys at the gym. But competitive-wise, yeah. I didn't really have much of a clue. So he asked me if I'd ever tried in strongman training because at the time I was doing like a powerlifting, bodybuilding type mix. You know, just trying to get big and strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I said, no, I hadn't tried anything, but I'd always watch Strongman on TV, but outside of Worlds and Britons, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know there was any kind of, you know, grassroots level at all. So yeah, basically started training with him. We started rigging stuff up like it was a bodybuilding gym, so we didn't have a load of kit, but um, we were doing like farmers with the heavy dumbbells, yes. rigging up a dumbbell out like a weight strip, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so people watching this when they have a fully kitted out strongman gym all inside, it's not how it was. No. Nah. When I started, it was it was a rare thing to find a log or a farm or anything like that. Um, and then a few months went by, and basically, he knew a guy running a comp. Uh, so he was Sheffield at the time. It was over, just over the way in Stocksbridge. Um, he asked me if I wanted to compete, and I had about two weeks' notice. So I, I said I'll try it. Yes. Thankfully, a gym had just opened down the road, and it had a log. Uh, I think it had a log, a stone, and a pair of farmers. So I had like quick event session, and then jumped in, uh, did my first comp, um, got my arse handed to me, <laughs> um, as you do on the first one. But, so, um, were you going in in a novice competition? Because it's like now we've got like you kind of got like beginner competitions and then novice competitions, which is kind of like that. Because when I first started, it was like it was just novice, you know. What I mean, there was nothing before that, and, and now we've kind of got like that the prerequisite beforehand. So, so what were you were you going straight into to to a novice, to an inter, to an open comp? Was it weight? So back cap? then it was kind of well at the time I didn't really know, I didn't know anything about it, but it was kind of novice opens inters weren't really a thing yet. Okay. Um, so I forgot what the name was. They didn't have a quite. It was just one. It was just one category in the comp, but it would have been. It was like a novice weight. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, but there were, because back then there weren't many comps, so there were some pretty strong guys in compared yeah. to what you'd normally find in a novice now. Um, so I came second to last in that. Phil Roberts won, um, but he still reminds me about now. <laughs> 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 Even though he had 10 years on me. Um, but yeah, I just loved it. Loved the uh, competition, loved the experience. And then from there, I kind of just started gearing myself more towards strongman training uh, and finding more kit and entering more comps sick man sick now I, i'm interested because i think a, a lot of people can kind of uh, attest to that same thing where you know they don't necessarily have access to lots of strongman kit i mean i know that when i first started training training strongman i had access to absolutely nothing apart from traveling the best part of an hour and a half from, from where i live just outside of brighton to go down to to haven't to go and train with rob frampton so it was like, okay, basically everything that I did in the gym, it was some crazy makeshift version of, of, of a strongman. Like the amount of times that you know people have come into the gym and they're like, Where, where's all the kit? And I'm there in a power rack with this makeshift Viking press with two barbells hanging up. And you're like, 
okay, that's a strong man. <laughs> you, you can walk into any gym and you're like, okay, that guy probably trains strong man. Because <laughs> he's got half of the gym on one contraption trying to do something and you're like, yeah, good job, good job. So for you, like, how was that? Because, you know, I think, I think strongman is a sport where you can get relatively so far with just doing quite a lot of gym-based lifts. And I, I know I've heard you speak on this before where, you know, strongman is, is traditionally a, a sport where it's like, I'm strong in the gym. I'm going to try out strongman. And it's like, well, it does, you know, there isn't a complete carryover. There needs to be some form and basis of athleticism, et cetera. But I, I'm interested to kind of see from, from your standpoint, obviously you've got a lot further along in the game. How, how far do you think you can kind of get with doing that? And, and kind of how often do you think, especially people that are, that are new to the sport, how often do you feel like they should be getting on implements? Like, do you think it, it is a benefit to start off training from implements from the beginning or do you think it is a benefit to kind of create that traditional gym base and then start to to kind of bring the progressions of you know moving from just a traditional barbell clean and jerk into more of a strongman clean into a push press etc etc yeah so i think the big thing uh, the big factor is your background so i was just thinking about this earlier coaching well I was programming earlier and I've got new guys and they've got access to everything. It's really nice to just, you know, if I want them to do yoke three times a week, they can. Um, rather than when we started, you might get an event session at the weekend, but even that was a luxury. So um, if you have someone that say, someone that started out, like, for example, I've had quite a few guys that do athletics, sprinters that come to try strongman. They pick things up really well, especially carries, like it's just there. So for guys like that, it wouldn't be, as important to get as much working on the implements it's more about building a base of strength they've got that athletic base there so although obviously you would have them on the implements it's they wouldn't need as quite as much practice and, and time to learn um because the learning curve would be massively reduced just from the from the sporting background if you have a guy say that's done a bit of bodybuilding and he's fairly strong in the gym but he's quite stiff he's not very mobile then you you wouldn't be worried so much about strength level you just want to get him on the kit light loads lots of volume lots of technique work and just getting moving because the big thing is when you have really strong guys that haven't used the kit lots of injury risk if you yes. get someone who's athletic you can make them stronger they look much less likely to get hurt so it's all about it's horses for courses it's seeing who you've got and what they're going to need to progress the most um and it, it can vary massively depending on what people's backgrounds are yeah and i absolutely love the fact that that you kind of brought up that you know for for the bigger just strong gym based guys working with light load man that is fucking refreshing to actually hear from another coach getting those guys working with light load because i you know i think so many people see this sport they see the absurd numbers that are being pushed out and it's like right i just need to to be working on like these one rms all of the time and it's like it's so painful as a coach, you know, when, when you you can see that you have the potential for someone, you know, to, to go really far. But because that, you know, it, it is all over Instagram, it's all about the social clout, it's all about this, how, how many numbers are you lifting? And you just get caught up into like that combined harvester of competitiveness. And actually, 
for a lot of athletes, it takes so much away from their actual training progression, from them actually, you know, breaking new personal best grounds and actually going somewhere with their training. So for you, like what, what kind of, what kind of loads and stuff, like volume work wise, would you like to work with someone like that? So it, it's all depends on skill. So say for, let's keep it simple squats and deadlifts will push them will push them hard yeah you know like a traditional strength progression something mm-hmm. like a log or an axle at first i like to do a lot of work like 60 70 percent and just getting lots of volume and lots of work in moving events sometimes even less um one big thing i like to do with guys that have a decent strength base that don't have that athletic base a lot of single leg work really light the more recently, I've started making the assistant work, assistance work for guys that are even lighter. So we'll have body weight walking lunges, um, you know, step ups, and just things that are getting them moving on planes of motion that they're not used to. So even though we've, without any strength being built at all, it's just kind of a, a proprioception and skill thing. So you know, save the strength um, progression for the main lifts, and then just use it as a skill um, and technique exercise. On the other movements, we'll I like slowly build up moving events, but try and keep a, a, a nice level of speed going. I don't want to be grinding for any yokes or farms at first, and then using like you know if you've got a loading medley, I like to do a lot like sandbag keg emons. So again, yes. like working on movements that are a little less look, little less skill based, but they're not going too heavy. They're using that as a conditioning element to build up the work capacity, obviously. Yeah, and it's and it's such functional functional positions, you know. What I mean, especially with like sandbag kegs and whatever. For for anyone in any sport, you're gonna get so bloody functionally fit from just picking up and carrying those implements. Like the amount of trunk strength and coordination you build just from doing that on on a weekly basis. I I think for for a lot of sports, actually, that is pretty helpful. You know, I see more and more now because I'm from a I'm from a very very heavy rugby background. I'm seeing more and more now this this kind of uh, almost like strongman strongman hybrid training for rugby, and it's like, well, yeah, because you know you're you're not in these like traditional positions as much. You've got this pulling, you've got this pushing. You need to have stability. You need to have the ability to perform repeated bouts of really high intense work with very very minimal rest times. So I, I think that sort of stuff, you know, although it's perfect for strongman. I, I think people are starting to see that actually there might be benefits in, in other areas and other sports now for, with this sort of training style. Yeah, definitely. I've been seeing a few clips of England uh, rugby union team doing various kind of strongman type bits and just kind of odd, odd strength, like real world stuff. Um, and it is a really useful thing for kind of like non-strength sport athletes. Um, the good thing with carries is easy to get into, especially if you've got a decent athlete, they can pick them up straight away, fairly low in injury risk usually, and you can give them a decent strength workout and a massive conditioning workout all in one go. Um, especially in a team, you can get everyone in working hard without too many coaching cues, um, too much injury risk, so it's great, it's really good carryover, especially for something like rugby where you've got a big squad, um, you know, about 10, 20 guys, you, you get into, into a session, so... Yeah, sandbag carry or keg carry it's just easy low-hanging fruit and you can get get into it work hard 
nice and uh, easily. Yeah, perfect. And like you said there, you know, if you're working with a good, good, good sized group of people, it's so easy to just bring someone else in, bring someone else in, bring someone else, circulate these exercises and kind of create something that, that you can do pretty much anywhere. Do you know what I mean? I think that's that's the other thing. It's it's so versatile. You don't just have to be in the gym. You can do it anywhere. It's really easy for these guys to have it down at training grounds and bits and pieces too. So I think uh, I think it's very, very exciting that, that we're starting to see the potential of Strongman kind of come across into, into a few of these other areas now. But kind of staying on track with, with that, you know, I think it's it's very interesting, and, and and I absolutely love the fact that I kind of hear you talk on on the fact that you do think it's so important, especially for people coming into strongman, that they do have some kind of like foundational athleticism that that they can use and build off of. So for for people, you know, that are maybe new to the sport, maybe the slightly bigger guys, um, or maybe you know, for, for for someone like yourself, you know. We, we often see that the, the slightly smaller athletes that aren't carrying quite as much weight, they have to rely on that athleticism in the competitions because you, you can't really rely on that mass moves, mass kind of old school approach that, that we've seen that's kind of taken strongman for so many years now. So for, for you and for anyone that, that, you know, that might be listening that's in a very similar position to yourself, what would you say are those kind of like key foundational elements that, that people should really be looking to build up, whether that be in a gym or with their strongman training that you think is, is kind of really important? Have you got any, anything kind of like top three, top five things that, that you think are really, really important for that long-term athletic progression? Yeah. So I'd say single leg work is the biggest one for me. Um, getting used to being on one leg and expressing strength on that one leg. So obviously yoked, farmers, uh, side drag, everything, it's single leg work. Um, so having that in your program and being comfortable when you, you haven't got both feet on the ground or you're not in a perfectly balanced position, that's a massive one. Second one I'd say is triple extension. Um, so triple extension, what you hit, if you're jumping or you're throwing, or but even on a push press, a clean, it's, uh, you know, a lot of big, strong guys that like to be flat-footed. And that's fine for some events, but some events you need that triple extension, you need the power um, to be able to express your strength. So getting things like jumps and throws in um, and just things where you're exploding off your heels and onto your toes and, and getting that full extension all the way up through your body um, is a key one. Other than that, I'd say um, rotation is a good one. Being able to, you know, it sounds basic, but just being able to twist uh, and being comfortable twisting rather than being on sagittal plane lifting. Because a lot of times, strongman, you've got a stone or a standbag and it takes you kind of away from center of mass. Yeah. Uh, and that's when you get a lot of injuries, lower backs, obliques, things that abs are going. So just being able to be in kind of less, in the more compromised positions uh, and be okay and be confident. Like I know I've got in some spots where I'm not in a great position biomechanically, but I know I'm robust enough that I'm not worrying about being injured. I, I can still work yeah. hard. Whereas you see some guys, they might have a stone, you know, slightly off somewhere and they're terrified the bicep or the lat's about to go and you're not going to lift anything if you're worried about being injured. So it's all about, you know, that stuff is just building up some resilience to bad positions and being confident in those positions that you can still apply a lot of power and strength and, and not have to stress about something coming off. Yeah, mate, I think you you hit the nail on the head so well there in terms of, you know, actually being resistant to those bad positions, because 
I think we can all kind of uh, agree that when you're in the gym and the conditions are perfect, you have a lovely level flat floor, you've got a perfect platform to lift to, you're not worrying about any other external factors, it's very easy to just go through the sequencing of a movement, to hit every position perfectly and to load it. But for anyone that's actually competed, we'll know, we know that those aren't the conditions that you compete in. You know, the ground is uneven, the platforms aren't always perfect. You know, there's winds, there's crowds, there's noise, there's distractions, there's other stimuli that are completely taking you away. And when you get into the competition, you don't have the luxury of just being able to bumble the fuck about and take your time with this stuff because you're competing against some of the strongest people in the world. Well, especially you are. So it's like you you don't even have a second to doubt yourself. And I, I think that's kind of, that's quite clearly seen in quite a lot of the competitions where you see guys that just crush, crush, crush the first three stones, four stones. And they get to that last one and there's just that little bit of doubt and those last few seconds tick by and all of a sudden, rather than being second on the stones, you're now seventh and you're out of the podium position. And at the top, it really is that close. So like, I mean, I know you could probably talk on it. Like when you come to these competitions, you can't have any doubt. You've just got to smash it, rag that weight about, get it done and just make sure that, that, that you can kind of achieve the best form possible. But we all know that in the middle of competition necessarily, you're not going to hit, you know, perfect form every single time. But sometimes you do just kind of have to rag it up a little bit. Yeah, that's it. It's all about being on, like, competing on the fire, isn't it? Like, you know, something like powerlifting or weightlifting, it's a really close skill. You've probably got the same bar, same plates, same nice platform, strong man. It's such an open skill. Like you say, you could have a yoke in a gym that's perfectly balanced, perfect straight run, and then the competition floor's gravel with these holes in it. Or you're doing a log with one tire and one pad on it, and it's just it just throws you off but like you say it's you've just gotta you've just gotta get on with it and be confident yeah. in your ability that you can as soon as you start doubting yourself or worrying about you know oh well this is uneven this isn't right this isn't the same you see it all the time guys are like oh well this floor's terrible it's slippy and it's like well you can have a pull out or you can get on with it <laughs> and the injury risk is higher I've never gone into a comp worried about an injury risk because if you're worried about an injury risk, you might as well pull out. And if you get injured, you get injured. There, there's no way, like you see it all the time, people complain about this and this, or this is bad and this, or it's raining, it's too dangerous. It's like, well, it's so actually, um, a tire flip recently, and people, guys, going about, oh, but I like my biceps. Well, <laughs> don't do strong, man. Yeah, yeah. Get your biceps ready for it. Uh, and, and what will be, will, will be. Um, but if you're saying, oh, well, I can't do that event because this organizer's done this that's made it dangerous. You, you're in the wrong sport, so you, yeah. you need to prepare yourself um, and, and just be ready to get on with it. And the day, as bad as it is, it's going to be the same for everyone. So, Mate, if you're prepared yeah. well, you'll probably be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And you know, I think uh, I've kind of, I'm sure I've heard you speak about this before, where you know, we 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 live in this day and age now where we're seeing more and more kind of specialists creep out of the woodwork in particular areas. You know, they're they're entering competitions because they know they're gonna pull a load of points from their static pressing or their static pulling or their mobile events or whatever it might be. But they're not able to, 
you know, perform in those top three to five positions in every single event. So then they come across to something that they're really not strong on. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, well, we've we've now got this whole whole list of excuses. And it's like, well, you know what, mate? If you want to deadlift, go and be a fucking deadlifter in powerlifting competitions. Like, because <laughs> we do everything here. And if you don't want to do everything, then strongman is not the sport for you, man. It is not. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you see, you see it so much. I, I mean, I'm, I, obviously, you're probably not not part of quite as many of the groups and events and whatever. But you know, I think back to to the novice and into competitions and being in those Facebook groups, and you've got people like, you know, are the car deadlift ha- what height are the car deadlift handles? They want to know like the size centimeters, the fucking diameter. Has it got nailing on it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is it powder coated? Is it not? And you're like, guys. Why are you asking this like it has a direct correlation? It's like, if this is a powdered log, then my max is actually 127.5, but without a powder coating, it's 132. And you're like, no, just, just go and pick the fucking thing up, man. What is wrong with you? Yeah, oh, man, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that takes me back. A little tip, actually, for anyone competing. If you see or hear someone start talking about how the kit's unsafe or something's wrong or something's different or bad, really play on it with them like really really get it into their heads really play along could easily throw them off you see it a lot so yeah really get them in like oh this is terrible oh we should pull out we shouldn't compete and then leave them to it and it just fester it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good little tactic i love that man yeah the mind games the mind games 100 percent. now you know coming coming into kind of more of your professional career um you know i i think it's 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 quite amazing you you basically went from juniors basically getting an invite the following year to Worlds. Isn't that right? From from 17 to 18? Yeah, so I did. Yeah, well, we were, we, we were really lucky to have the Junior Worlds in 2016 and 2017 in Canada. Uh, two amazing comps. Came second in 2016. So it was like my, my mission to win in 2017. Got the win. And then... From Britain's end the next year, I got the reserves part of World's Strongest Man the following April, May time. So even um, at juniors, do you, if you win at juniors or, or come kind of top three, that, that's kind of it. The, the, the junior isn't a direct feeder into the, the open in terms of like, I know obviously if you win World's Strongest Man one year, you automatically qualify for the next year. There's no direct feeder system from the juniors into the, the seniors? No, so that's interesting. I'm not, ex- I'm not exactly sure how it's working at the moment, but um, basically, it always ran parallel to each other. So we'd have the England juniors, UK juniors, world juniors. Um, stupid. But now I know now the UK's junior winner will get to move to the UK strongest man and seniors, which is great. Ah, um, so that's a good way for people to get onto the onto the big shows. The thing is, when we were doing juniors. We were always doing the opens anyway because there's only two or three junior comps a year so we'd always be doing open comps like my first junior comp was probably like my eighth comp when it became <laughs> so, the england's juniors but then probably six of the comps that year so it was always you know we do the the senior comps and then yeah when the juniors popped up we would take the opportunity but it was never the sole focus see a lot of young lads now they focus on the juniors which is fine as a main goal but I see them not doing open comps because they're against older guys and it's silly. It's a, it's a 
it's not a good way to push yourself on, especially if you're one of the stronger juniors because you're going up to comps being one of the best guys. And the only time that's really fine is if you're world's strongest man because there's no one else. But if you're yeah. the second best junior in Britain, but you'd come 32nd out of the seniors in the opens, you know, there's comps you can be doing that will push you on more um, to go along with that. So I'd always say for young guys going in, enter more comps, going to senior comps, going to heavier comps, even if you are in the junior range, don't just focus on only that because um, you'll be holding yourself back a little bit. And when you do get into the opens, once you're too old, you know, it could be a bit of a culture shock. Yeah, that's perfect. And transitions almost perfectly onto kind of what I wanted to go on to next, which is, I find it's very interesting, obviously, being able to do this. I get to speak to a lot of different athletes and kind of every athlete, I feel like they kind of have this sweet spot with how many times they, they want to compete a year, like ideally, and then how many times they, they are kind of having to compete a year. So kind of, well, two things, really. Firstly, do you perceive the kind of the the life and career of a strongman becomes that much easier when you start to break into the upper echelons because you aren't necessarily having to qualify for all of these big competitions to be seen, to be heard, to break onto the radar, and instead with a little bit more, you know, of a, of a bigger social media following or you know just good brand awareness they might start being invited directly to these competitions anyway. So do, do you think that that is kind of make, well, like it makes being a professional strongman easier than becoming a professional strongman, if you will? Yeah, definitely. Um, there is that nice spot when you can, you can kind of reduce your calendar a little bit. So I had a bit of a, an iron one recently with the UKs. So I had to do the, the Northern qualifying, well, when the first lockdown was 2020, then England and then UKs, which should have got me straight through the next year, but because of basically the calendar switching round, and then I see Northern qualifier again before I did the UK. So it was just like another comp that's pretty heavy against some pretty strong lads that you need to be fairly on the ball for that's yeah. taking away time from prepping for the others. So it is good when you, you can kind of focus only on the big comps. Um, and you can just focus down so much more. Say you've got five big comps rather than then having to do seven, eight, and then you you spread yourself a little bit thinner. So yeah. yeah, it is nice when you when you have to cut down on the qualifying comps and you can just focus on the big shows. So for for you, what what are you looking for in terms of that sweet spot for yourself for competing a year? Do you have kind of like a number that you know feels really good? And I know quite a few people kind of found that they were quite aware that that during covid where they couldn't compete their body was actually quite thankful that they couldn't do it and they've kind of a, a lot of the i feel like a lot more of the pros aren't competing you know almost every weekend like they used to and now it's kind of we're only seeing them at kind of two, two or three of these big shows per year because they actually want to put out a really fucking good performance in those shows. So for you, what what is that sweet spot and, and what kind of do you have to do just because of where you are in your career right now? Yeah, so I say for, I like doing like five or six comps um, a year. Okay. If they're, it depends, because something like UK's is three days is a brutal one. It takes a lot. Yeah, out. man. If it's a single day comp, even if it's really heavy, too bad, you know, a few days later, you, you're okay back, back training. So, I like five. For what I've got, I've got Britain's, UK's, England's planned in. Hopefully, can you still hear me there? Yeah, 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 all good. 
All right. Um, hopefully, we'll depend on how Britain's goes. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a you get a good you get a good season in. Obviously, more opportunities, but you're not quite overdoing it. You know, if you, some guys push 10, 15, and if the light enough shows, it's not too bad. But nowadays, there's not too many light shows. So if you're constantly doing shows that are 350 deadlifts, 160 overheads, it can get quite a lot to train for. You know, like I think Loz mentioned the other day, if you've got a comp that's 120 log throw and 120 farmers, you can do that as an event session and, and train the next day. But when you're starting to get to the really heavy comps, you've got to be a little bit more selective. But five to six for me is a nice uh, sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's absolutely perfect. I mean, I, I, I'll never forget, you know, obviously I had Loz on the on the show before and I've spoken to him on, on many occasions, but we always laugh about how when uh, when, uh, when Alexei Novikov first came on the scene and, you know, you, you'd look at his social media and the guy's competing the best part of like 30 times in a year and you're going, what the fuck dude how how on earth are you flying all over the country all over the world competing against these absolute monsters and then coming onto the world stage and trying to put on a good show there and you know i think he he was he was an athlete that we we really saw highlighted okay when he actually isn't competing 30 times a year and only gets kind of like five to six competitions like you're kind of saying with that sweet spot just how much better those big shows go for him and it's like i think more and more of the athletes now are actually turning on to the importance of being an athlete treating your body like you are an athlete you know and actually thinking about the damage that you're doing whilst you're competing yes it might just be our sport and yes that ache and pain and whatever is just kind of part of of the parcel but also thinking about how that directly correlates and impacts your performance and what you can actually you know produce on the stage because like we said before it doesn't matter how fucking strong you are in the gym if you can't express that on the stage you're not going to get to the podium. And if you're not going to get to the podium, you're not going to make those progressions and you're not, you know, you're not going to do yourself, you're not going to give yourself justice. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, absolutely. So I always say like, you need to be strong on comp day. Like, it's great hitting PBs in gym and it's great hitting big lifts and we all love to do it. And if you had a comp where we didn't hit a PB, you wouldn't be very happy. But if at the end you knew you were going to win the comp, you'd take it. So it's, it's always the case of, I need to put in the work now that's going to get me to be the best on the day. Now, that's probably going to involve getting a few PBs, but they shouldn't necessarily be the focus all the time. It should just be what steps I'm going to take to get to be the best at, at this comp. I've had it myself when I've competed really regularly, and I've overdone the gym work in between, and then I've found that the recovery's not there for comps. So especially if you've got a lot of comps in a short space of time, you know, if you've got an eight-week prep, it's fine. You can hit some big lifts in gym you've got four comps coming up in six weeks you kind of want to save it for the day so the work in between should be just getting you ready for those days you shouldn't have too many massive efforts it should be you know comp day comp day comp day that's yeah. when you're going to really put it out there yeah yeah 100 percent. i completely agree with that and, and that kind of whole notion of that if you can just kind of accept the fact that you don't have to hit a, a pb during your training as long as you can express that all out there and, you know, get rep PBs and, and place in the top, you know, three for every single event, then actually, realistically, does it matter that, that you haven't hit a PB in the gym? No, it, it, it doesn't really. That, that is just the ego talking. And, and yes, to an extent, as a coach, 
you do have to kind of you have to manage and manipulate that ego of all of the athletes because you know there are that the, there are ones out there so you, you have to cradle and nurse those where you can but <clears throat> i'm interested to, to kind of get more into into the the kind of progression like when you when you come away from a competition and obviously you've had some fucking brilliant performances over the last few years where you've been able to compete um at your level, you know, the, the, the differences are so minuscule. So how do you personally, uh, or do you, do you reflect on your previous performances? Do you go back? Do you look at video? Do you look and break down and see, okay, you know, uh, I'm not quite happy with my positioning here. How would you take those, those, maybe those negatives that you can find and then implement that into a structure to kind of make sure that that doesn't happen for the next competition. Do you like to then like reverse engineer it, work those numbers into your training program and say, okay, well, you know, I didn't hit this, uh, this, this point. So I know that I need to add X amount of weight on in X time frame, which is, you know, X per week or per month or whatever it might be. How, how do you like to kind of reflect on prior, prior performances kind of, and, and, you know, look to move forward with it? Yeah. So for me, I'll kind of set, I set my priority levels. So last last year's Brits, for example, I I made a big mistake on the yoke um, on one of the events. It cost me cost me a lot of points. But my yoke is a good event event, and I hadn't I hadn't messed up really a set all training block. So it's one of those things where yes, I can do more and work to make it more consistent. But I think it's one of those things where sometimes it just happens. So yeah, man. You know, I'm, I haven't chucked a lot of yoke working because I think it was just a bit of a freak thing that I'll work on more going forward, but it's not a massive priority. My deadlift, for me, was my weakest event. I was um, joint last on that. come up amazingly, man, in the last few years. Like, fuck me, how good is, has that come on? So, well, that was a big focus I thought. So, I've always pulled raw. I got myself in a suit. and So, I hit 325 for four for my top set um, last year in the build-up. And the program went pretty well. I hit quite a few rep PBs. I got three reps of 350 on the day, and that's which is a PB. Unfortunately, it's just not not enough of a PB to um, you know to beat the top guy. So it's it was all going the right way. So got the suit on. I've rewrote the block. I've used a pretty similar block, um, but I've increased my frequency. And my plan was to hit um, 342 for four, and should be 17 kilos increase on my four rep max from um, the last prep. Thankfully, I've hit 345, so I've hit a 20 kilo increase. So that was kind of my. But if I get into the 340s, then I'm going to be into the mid pack of deadlifters. If I can push a little bit more beyond that, I should start getting, you know, being at mid table, maybe a little bit higher. So that's been a really successful block, and that's been my main focus from the last show. Everything else has been progressing steadily, but it's been, if you can get this deadlift up, that's my big weakness. Overall, I'm, I'm not going to have many bad results. So. Yeah done really well um and it you know it depends you might have two or three weaknesses that are slight weaknesses for me it's always been like deadlifts being quite glaring the other things are fairly even across the board i've got stronger events but nothing's really below par except for that one so that's been the massive focus um and well so far it's paid off hopefully it pays off at the weekend yeah um, but yeah that's just been like how you know i rank what's what needs to be worked on uh, and then give it more of a attention accordingly yeah, a hundred percent. And and you know, I think I think you kind of spoke on that very, very well there that you know, it doesn't always necessarily uh in your training have to be 
a case of that you need to push everything up but when you look and reflect and say okay it's this you know one or maybe two events that i'm hemorrhaging a shitload of points from if i actually really double down and work hard on these events then it means that i'm not going to be in 10th position i'm going to be in fifth position and if i can maintain being in top five position for the entire competition well fuck me bish did it with britain's what 20 was it 2018 20 but didn't win a single event didn't win a single event yeah. throughout the entire competition and, and comes away with the win and you know i think that was a real big wake-up call to a lot of people that were quite new to to the sport it was like oh hey i don't have to be the best at everything i just have to maintain that top three top four top five position in every single competition and like you said there if you can kind of pull yourself up from the kind of like mid to bottom of the table into that mid pack dude that's going to do absolute wonders for your points overall do you know what i mean and it's like thinking intelligently about strongman i think you know i think we're seeing more and more of this where it's like okay i don't have to try and fix all of this shit i just need to tweak a little bit of this and a little bit of that and overall then that's going to bring everything up yeah of course because you might have an event say you come third on event right i've got 10 points i can work really 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 hard for six months and get 11 points if you've got an event where you got one and a half like i don't deadlift i can get to five massive get to six you know it, it's huge gains so you've got to, you've got to kind of pick your battles obviously so many events it's not like you know we've got free lists we've got so many events to focus on but if you can find the ones that are really low down bring them up at a high percentage you're going to get so many more points um on the board rather than trying to push your strengths a little bit further yeah yeah now i think uh I think it would be rude not to talk about it because it feels like the elephant in the room. But obviously, we are now a few days out from 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 a very very big competition. Just kind of a little bit. How are you feeling yourself? Uh, how are you feeling approaching the competition? Is there anyone particularly that you are kind of looking out for uh, in certain events? Uh, are there any kind of benchmarks that you've set yourself kind of coming into these events? Kind of numbers and ranges that you'd like to hit? Obviously don't feel like you have to tell me but if if you're comfortable with it you know i'd love to hear some of that yeah so obviously britain's on saturday um i'm looking forward to the comp it's been nice to have britain's last october and then have an off season and build towards britain's again normally it's a year apart so you have all the other competitions in between but this one's been quite specific i think right yeah build off season and then prep again and see where the improvements are quite quickly um a lot of good guys to watch out for, obviously. He's got a massive field. I think, for me, Tom's probably the favourite with these events uh, and how inform he is. I think Paro Dwyer is looking really strong um, yeah. in this set of events. I think he's quite underrated and he's probably my kind of second favourite for this one. Um, goals for me are, first of all, not making any mistakes. Last year, I made a big mistake in the yoke, uh, and that cost me quite a lot. So I'm hoping for a clean run. If I can get a clean run, it'll be a pretty good run. Mm-hmm. And then get into the top half on deadlift. So if I can do that, that'll be a massive step up. And if I can do that with the points it gets me, if I don't make any mistakes, it should mean I've got a pretty decent run across the board, and therefore I get quite a lot of points and uh, and quite high up there. Um, so that's a big one for me. If I can not make any mistakes, get top half on the deadlift, then I'm going to be in a really good spot. 
Superb. Yeah, man, I, I'd have to completely agree with you. And, you know, kind of looking over but for those people that are listening that, that might not know uh, the competition events, we've got 200 shield carry, 200 kilo shield carry, 360 axle deadlift for reps, 130 axle floor to overhead for reps. Uh, you got the ascending sandbags over bar and then finish off with the castle stones. So I think, you know, the, the one that we might see a little bit of contention through with, with is maybe the sandbag. That's, that's not an event, you know, I feel like we often see, uh, much in, in, in those bigger shows. So I think, I think that's going to be very, very interesting to, to kind of look at, but all of those events, you know, not bad events for you by any stretch of the imagination. Do you know what I mean, man? Like the, these aren't terrible events. So I'm, I'm, f- I'm fucking excited about it. Yeah, uh, it's good. Pretty good set of events for me. Um, the axles one of my favourites. Um, shield carries, I really like. I can carry for distance. Um, deadlift, we'll, we will see. I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> it's come out in the gym. You'll uh, smash it. A fairly strong event. Stones. Uh, they've got the heavy stones in this year too. Stones up to 200 kilos which suits me because I don't seem to be the quickest with the lighter run. Um, I don't know if it's a height thing or, or, or what, but with a heavier run, it can kind of rely a bit more on strength, um, and that suits me quite well. The sandbag is the interesting one because I've never done it at this level. Mm. Now, when I've done I've done it for only three years ago, I was really bad at it. Then when I've done it at the, like, the more regional comps, I've done a lot better, but obviously it's such a high level. I think it's similar for everyone. It's, it's not an event that we've seen massively at the top level. Oh. So it'll be interesting how it goes. It's one they can mess up a lot, so there could be some upsets. Um, and it is a you know it's a technical event, so it's about getting a clean run. But that also suits you. That's that's easy. Do you know what I mean? Like I look at some of these other names and I'm like, okay, yeah, strong, fucking strong. But from a technical standpoint. And, you know, being, you know, very, very pernickety about the, the little things, I, I still think you're pretty high up there, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think sandbags, sandbags is an event where you can really express your athleticism. And I think we, we've seen like sandbags and kegs, we've seen it in pretty much all of the, the past kind of three, four years worth of World's Strongest Man that, you know, you get guys like Thor and Brian and whatever come in and everyone goes, oh, wow, that was absolutely incredible. And then you get guys like fucking Alexi come along and absolutely trounce them and they're half of the height. And it's like, yeah, but just look how fast they're moving in between every single implement. Look at how many seconds they're shaving off of every single thing. And that's just because they have that athleticism. So, you know, when I saw the sandbag ever, I was like, oh, okay. This uh, this could separate the pack quite quite a bit here, I feel like, especially coming into the stones, which, you know, always likes to, to put a little bit of pressure on to, to finish the show. Yeah, of course. It'd be interesting too. It's a fourth event. Obviously, an explosive event. It's a pretty quick-paced show now, Giant Fly, so it'd be interesting to see how guys are. That no, fitness comes into it, big time. Yeah, normally have something that's not too explosive on that, so getting that explosive power under fatigue, will be an interesting one, especially under pressure, because if you're doing well, you're going to want to make sure everything goes right. So it will be, it'll be a great one to watch. Um, it'll be a great one for the fans. So it'll be interesting how it goes. Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. I will be watching with bated breath, 1,000%. Now, before we wrap this up, I like to end the podcast the exact same with, with everyone. So I'm very interested to kind of hear what you have to say with this. So for a split second, I want you to imagine that you are stepping into a time machine. When you step into this time machine, you get to go back 
um, to when you're kind of 10, 11, 12, 13 years of age, very, very formative years of your life. In this time, you get to spend a few minutes with your younger self, obviously knowing everything that that young man is about to go through to, to kind of end up where you are today. In those few moments, what information, wisdom, knowledge, what mantra would you give them to live by? What advice and help would you give to your younger self to allow them to navigate through all the shit that you know that they've got coming down the line to help you get to where you are today? That is a good question. That is deeper than I expected. Uh, <laughs> that's not what we're having a desert island, is it? Uh, no. What I say? <laughs> I'd probably say try and be more confident, put yourself out there more. Um, especially for opportunity wise in sport. Um, you've got to, you know, you've got to push yourself and kind of be your own biggest fan. And that's something I wasn't great at for a while, especially when I was really young. Um, so be more confident, put yourself out there more. And then also probably take the easy win sometimes because sometimes I haven't done comps because I thought the challenge wasn't high enough when really it would have been, regardless of whatever I thought, it would have been a good thing to enter. So don't be scared to take a few easy wins if they present themselves. Uh, you don't always have to make it too hard for yourself and you know, put yourself out there more. Hey, perfect. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've, uh, we've, we've had those as answers yet. So, so that's very refreshing, man. I like that a lot. Man, listen, thank you so much for doing this today. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. It's been so, so interesting watching you come up through the ranks over the last few years. I've had the pleasure of seeing you compete in person before. You're an absolutely amazing athlete. I honestly wish you all the best for the future. I wish you all the best for this coming weekend. I really do hope you absolutely smash it and you really, you know, start to cement your name in this strongman world because I think you have the potential, you know, to, to 100% be at that world's strongest man status and and actually be competitive on on that stage so all the best to you man thank you so much for doing this we'll have to do it again at some point but uh but really really appreciate the time man thank you so much awesome. thanks for having me it's been good to talk